The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome to the show. It is a nice, uh, let's see, July 3rd, 2023. Hey, if you want to give me a call, it's the same as always. All you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. I want to hear from you. Give me a call. And if you are a little intimidated or just can't uh, call in, and you don't want to do that live, you can send me an email. That's easy enough. All you have to do is email me at info at karm.org info at karm.org and uh, I've got a bunch of uh, emails that are there uh, radio questions so because this is how it often works around holidays we're not going to be on tomorrow uh, we'll be a you know, recorded show tomorrow and we'll be back on live on Wednesday but a lot of times people are out there vacationing and doing stuff so they don't get many calls but we'll see what happens we'll see what happens we've got uh, at least one caller coming in right now and I do have several uh, questions we can get to. I did a little bit of uh, online discussion and teaching last night. One of the things I've been doing here, and now that the weather permits it here in Idaho, is to walk around the block. And I, I had this uh, route I take, and it's exactly one mile. It's great. And so I just walk around uh, each time is one mile. So yesterday I did three miles. And for my uh, my birthday, or Christmas, I forgot which, my wife got me some really good wireless uh, sound-reducing headphone things. And uh, so I just put them on and I just walk, and I can listen to everything on the on uh, that's on the phone. So I listen to um, chat rooms where they have discussions about God, whatever it is. And uh, so I do that, and I have a good time doing it. And so I've been doing that a lot, uh, and enjoying um, just enjoying getting on there and, and uh, talking. So I, I did that last night, like for an hour, uh, while I'm walking and stuff like that. So. Anyway, hey, there you go. Uh, if you want, you can give me a call, 877-207-2276. Hope the audio's good now. In, uh, okay, good. Yeah, there's just so many things to switch. i got three things to switch in like 30 seconds, and it's a, it's a bit of a problem sometimes when I forget. Feliz cumpleaños. Somebody had, oh, that's right. Somebody had a birthday. I wonder who that is, uh, Laura. I won't see how old she is, but... Uh, so she does not look her age, though. That's good. You know that that's good. So hey, look. If you want to give me a call, folks, eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. Let me get into some of these radio questions. Radio questions. Uh, Why well, this is an interesting one because uh, this is one of the ones I'm actually using a lot in the defense of the deity of Christ. Now. You know, Unitarians are raising their ugly head, uh, and they are attacking uh, Jesus. Now, I spent, uh, I don't know, Friday or Saturday, a couple hours, uh, defending the Trinity, defending uh, stuff. But this guy asked a question. He said, uh, John fourteen twenty three, uh, which is really an interesting verse, because it's Jesus says, the Father and he will come and make our abode with him. He says, we will come and make our abode with him. Now, this is interesting. Uh, a verse I've been using a lot uh, to defend the deity of Christ. And I'll ask him, how is it that Jesus will live in you the same as the Father does? Now, what happens is, 
what the cults do, what the false teachers do, is they get the text to say the opposite of what it says by their interpretations or their whatever they do. And so it's what I've been asking because the Father indwells us. And I'll ask them, is that true? They said, yes, the Father indwells us. Okay, good, 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 good. All right. So does Jesus indwell us? They go, well, by the power of the Holy Spirit or by the power of the Father. I said, no, I didn't ask that. I said, does Jesus indwell us? Because the Father, his personhood, indwells us, right? And they'll say, yes. Does the personhood of Christ indwell us also? Now, they can't say yes, because if they do that, then they're admitting that Jesus can be in more than one location and indwelling people just like God does, which is what the text is saying. But they can't have that. So what they'll do is they'll say, by the power of the Spirit, you know, God gives them the ability by the power of the Spirit. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means he has the authority. Well, what does that mean? And uh, we have these discussions. They work so hard at denying who Christ really is. So uh, does it have something to do with perichoresis? Uh, the questioner asks. Well, perichoresis deals with the issue of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit indwelling one another in their mutual uh, existence as a, the triune being. So now in the Lutheranism, they get into perichoresis dealing with uh, the divine and human nature of Christ. I'm going to read it or look into that more because I can see why they would say it that way. But nevertheless, perichoresis is definitely a doctrine related to the doctrine of the Trinity. So uh, you, we could say, yes, the Father and the Son indwell us uh, perichoretically in the sense that they indwell each other there they are the part of that mutual existence so in that sense yes but I think really what uh, the issue is here when I say the person of the father the person of the son are indwelling that's the issue and a lot of times they have problems with that so that's uh, Unitarianism is uh, raising its ugly head now uh, here's another thing before we get to the caller uh, is I've been working very hard uh, on on, audio, on uh, videos, and I've spent six or seven hours today working on just two videos, getting them up and getting them released. So what I did today was release two of them on on uh, the CARM videos that we have on YouTube, and I cross-linked them back to Rumble. Uh, and so what we're doing is going through and uh, just linking as much as we can here and there. Uh, it's a lot of work, uh, but I'm just letting you know we're doing this. And now that the process is down a little bit faster, uh, you can uh, you can expect we're going to try. I'm going to try for one a day. There's a lot there, just a lot to do. In fact, there's so much to do with each video that I have literally a spreadsheet that I've gone to to uh, to to check off various things that I have to do in order to make it all work. Now, I wonder how many columns I have. I have uh, at least, I have uh, 26 or 7, 28 columns that I have to check of information. <laughs> that's how many bits and pieces. <laughs> and it's really like more like 50, but at any rate, so that's what I'm doing. And uh, we appreciate your feedback on things like that. We're going to be doing, releasing them on Instagram, Pinterest, uh, Facebook, uh, TikTok. We just haven't gotten all of it uh, released yet. We're working on it. It just takes a lot of work. And I, I'm the one who's got to get this. I'm the one who's got to uh, write the text uh, for the one-minute video 
I have to produce the web page for it. I have to upload the web page. I have to make sure that it's SEO ready. Then I have to set up the lighting and a sound for the video. Then I have to shoot the video. But that's after I do the phone thing that has to have the uh, the text that's backwards and stuff, you know, upside down, so that you can put it into a teleprompter. And then I do that, and uh, then I have to take the information, upload it to my system, and then I have to do all the editing and the video uh, editing that takes uh, a long time. Then it just goes on and on, um, but it's just a lot of work. But it's a privilege to be able to serve the Lord this way. So uh, pray for me, please, if you would. Pray that uh, have the endurance and wouldn't make too many mistakes. Uh, boy, because there's a there's a lot of options, and we have subtitles on them, and we have um, sign language on the videos as well. So we're really trying to reach out, and uh, it's taking a long time to get to now. Hey, there you go. See, a lot of stuff's happening. Hey, let's get to Alberto from Georgia. Alberto, welcome. You're on the air, buddy. Yes, yes. Um, my question is, if a person subscribes, right, and the Bible says he got eternal life, he never prayers. So what about John ten twenty eight? Jesus said that, you know, if you're a sheep, you will follow him. So can a person accept Christ and not follow Christ daily? Can still no. be considered a sheep? Well, 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 sheep? well, you mean daily, not follow him daily. Well, what if he's, uh, you know, what if he's in a hospital in a coma? that he wouldn't be following him daily. What about uh, being sick and he's just laid up watching TV all day and he's just got nothing to do? So the technicality, the technicality is, uh, yes, you can do that. You're talking about normatively speaking. Can a Christian not follow Christ? Uh, no, a Christian will always follow Christ. But can he uh, get a lot of wind on your, get a lot of wind, buddy. Okay, get a lot of wind. So, uh, can he not follow Christ very well for a day? Yeah, that, that can certainly happen. All right, and still be saved. Okay. Because the scripture, because the scripture says, you know, it says, carry your cross, deny yourself, and carry yourself, follow him daily. So carry your yeah. cross daily. So so his sheep will follow, will know his voice. So how do, how right. would a, how would a, a Christian know the voice of Jesus through how we? How we recognize the voice of Jesus compared to other voices out there. It's a supernatural thing. And I don't know. I don't know how to tell you. I it just, when I'm reading the Word, uh, I know it's from Him. And when I read the Quran, I know it's not. You know, the Book of Mormon, I know it's not. Uh, because you have that uh, the truth of God in you, the true and living God. So how does it work? I don't know how it works. It just does. Okay. Mm hmm. All right. Okay. All right, buddy. Okay, thank you. Okay, bye-bye. All right, man. Okay, Alberto, God bless. Hey, just want to let you guys know, we have uh, a Japan tour that we're going to be doing in Christianity in uh, November. So if you are interested in joining me and a few others going on a Christian-based Japan tour, seeing the sites, uh, and go to carm.org, C-A-R-M dot O-R-G, and just type in Japan tour, and all the information you need is right there. It's going to be fun. There's a lot of stuff. I'm going to be checking it out. Be going there, Lord willing, everything work, and um, there you go. All right, let's get to Luke from Washington. Luke, welcome. You're right here. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good. Uh, my question today, how did Adam and... Oh, sorry. Uh, I was asking differently. Did Adam and Eve have free will? 
We have to define free will. Because God say yes and no. We have to define it first. Free will is the ability to make choices that are not forced upon you, that are also consistent with your nature. Did they have free will? Yes, they did. Okay. Uh, so how come God decreed before the foundation of the world? So how come that possible? Because it, that's what God says. If God did, God did everything before the foundation of the world. So no, he didn't then do everything. Well, no, how no, come no, they have free will? No, 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 no. He didn't do everything before the foundation of the world. All right. So uh, he predestined and ordained things and elected from the, before the foundation of the world. But Jesus, God in flesh, wasn't crucified until 2,000 years ago. Okay? I, I still I didn't understand. The thing is, we, have, we don't have free will with us. Adam is Paul. If Adam has free will, that means before the foundation of the world, God, our name is in the book of life. Adam, you know. Eve, whatever, whoever it okay. may be. So then Predestination and free will work together. We have the freedom to be able to do whatever choice we want to do. And God is the one who's sovereign over those. A lot of times what people will do, because they can't think through this, they then reduce God's ability and say God doesn't know the future, or God can't violate our free will, which he certainly can if he chooses to. He could do whatever he wants, but he ordains whatsoever shall come to pass. We have the freedom to be able to make choices, but the freedom does not mean God can't work or that God isn't sovereign over our freedom. Okay? Since Adamic fall, we say that we are dead, so we cannot choose. Our, our choice is always in... No, 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 you don't understand what I'm saying. We have freedom in consistency with our nature. We've got a break coming up, so let me explain this when we get back. The unbeliever has freedom and the believer has freedom. They both have free will. I'll explain the difference, though, within those free wills when we get back. Hey, folks, be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, and welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, 877-207. <laughs> uh, let me try this again, 877-207-2276. So Alvin, in, uh, I'll, I'll look for that link uh, during the next break, so hold on. All right, let's get back on with uh, Luke from Washington. You still there? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm still there. My question was, God's decree and the predestination of all things before Adam ate the apple. And I'm not talking before, after Adam ate the apple. Before they eat apple, God decree and the predestination of all things. Then how come they have choice? Okay. Because that is uh, kind I, of sin. Okay, okay, hold on. You ask a question. Right, now let me get in and try and answer the question, okay? All right, I understand the question. It's been asked a thousand times. I've had to deal with it a lot of times. So here's here we go. Look, free will is the ability to make a choice that's not forced on you. Furthermore, free will can only be consistent with what you are. So if you cannot understand a super complex uh, a topic, for example, say equals mc squared and understand all the math, okay, that's a limitation of your free will, of your nature, 
See, you can only choose to do those things that you can become aware of, for one thing. So if you're not aware of a concept, you don't have the ability to choose or reject that concept, or that action, or that idea. Free will is the ability to make a choice that's not forced, but is also consistent with your nature. So a five-year-old child has free will, but cannot choose to do the Pythagorean theorem for example, and solve it. So let's just average five-year-old. Okay, so I'm just trying to show you that free will is, must be understood as the ability to make a choice that's consistent with your nature, but also is not forced. That's the basics of what free will is. The free will of an unbeliever is free. He's going to act in a manner consistent with his nature. His nature is fallen. He's a slave of sin, a hater of God, doesn't seek for God, doesn't do any good, cannot receive spiritual things. So he's free to choose in a manner consistent with what his fallenness is. No one forces him. No one stops him. It's just what it is. So he's free. The unbeliever is free, except he's free in a uh, more complete way, because the unbeliever is now regenerated and can make non-sinful choices where the unbeliever can only make sinful choices, but he's free within the nature of his fallenness. So God, who is the sovereign king over all things, ordains whatsoever shall come to pass, Ephesians 1.11. We have freedom, and God is the one who ordains the freedom that we have. Now, some people say, well, that means he's forcing us. Not at all. Here's an illustration, a very basic illustration. I can be sitting at a restaurant next to a window, opposite a person at a table, having a cup of coffee. And I could look out my right to the window and I could see something. And I can exclaim, I can make a loud mo motion, uh, a loud voice, and point out the window and say, look at that, really loud and really fast. And the person I'm, look I'm talking to will look out to the window to his left, I wanted him to look out the window. So I caused him to look out the window, but he was still free at the same time. I didn't force him to. I just made something happen in such a way that he freely chose to look out the window. So this is just a basic illustration. God can certainly bring about the circumstances to bear by which we act in a manner consistent with what he wants, but we're also free at the same time. This is not difficult. And that's how it can work, okay? All right. So, uh, okay, thank you. One more question. Is Adam is responsible for his sin? How come we are responsible for Adamic sin? I, I, I know, but the Muslims we're not, ask this question. We're not, we're not responsible for Adam's sin. Okay, we have the effect and the inheritance of his sin. And the reason we do is because of Jesus. Jesus is the one who represents us. That's 1 Corinthians 15.22, Romans 5.18, Romans 6.6, 6, Romans 6.8, where he represented us. Because of representation, he then bore our sins. We died with him, Romans 6.6. 6. We were crucified with him, Romans 6.8. Uh, in Adam all die, in Christ all should be made alive, 1 Corinthians 15. 22. The idea here is that 
Christ is the representative of his people. So he's called the last Adam in 1 Corinthians 15.45. Jesus, uh, and, and Adam is, of course, the first Adam. But Adam has also the ability to represent his descendants. It's called federal headship. Just as Jesus is our federal head, Adam was a federal head of all mankind. So he was able to represent uh, people. And so when he fell, we fell in him. His sin became ours, was imputed to us. Now people say they reject that. Then I'm going to show it from Scripture. For at, This is Romans 5.19. For as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners. The issue here, Romans 5.18, it says were made sinners. It's the aorist passive indicative in the Greek. Aorist means past tense. Passive means they received the action, and indicative means it's a fact. So by Adam's sin, the many were made sinners by what he did. We were made sinners by Adam's sin. And if you don't like that, I say to people, just cross out Romans 5.19, because that's what it says. So the theory here is dealing with the issue of federal headship as... Adam represented all people, then we fell in him. We were made sinners by his fall. It doesn't say we were made uh, fallen, though we were, but made sinners, and sin is breaking the law of God, so he represented us, and we fell in him. Okay? Yeah, Muslims, they deny original sin. The reason is that they are, Adam, we are not, his children are not responsible or uh, uh, no effect of uh, his sin. He yeah. is the only person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know what they teach. And then I can I, I teach on how to witness to Muslims and, and the failure of their theologies. More, it takes more time. It's more time-consuming than, than I'm going to get into right now here because we have callers waiting. But, yeah, that's what they say. And what I'll do with Muslims is I will work with what they tell me, and then I will, um, I will answer them accordingly because different Muslims have different reasons for believing what they do. And we'll talk, you know, I talk about that a better time. I say, you can deny it, but it doesn't mean it's not true. Uh, they just don't like it. And that's all I say to them. You know, and I got a lot more I can say, but I don't want to get into it right now. Okay? All right, buddy? Yeah, the reason I have, the concept of original sin is not part of Islamic doctrine. That's why yeah, I, I know that. that I know that. I know that, yep. And it's another issue. It's another issue. And maybe sometime when I get into talking about Islam, I can talk about how to deal with that with them. But the basic thing is, I just say to them, look, I say, you're judging the, the Bible by your Quran. We can judge the, the Quran by our Bible. And then we can discuss why one is superior over the other. And I can prove that Islam is false from the Quran. Anyway, we got to go, buddy. There's a break, okay? Hey, there you go. Three open lines. If you want to give me a call, 877 2276. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Elijah from Pennsylvania, welcome. You are on the air. Hey, Matt, how you doing today? Doing all right. Busy, tired, slightly melancholy, a little obstreperous, but other than that, I'm okay. 
right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Swear to God. I, my yeah, my my question. Uh, I got a another another uh, quote from a uh, from a uh, Aaron Ra again. Okay. Aaron Ra. Uh, Aaron Ra. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, uh, I, I think it was a few weeks ago. I watched one of his videos and. Um, he, he said this. Uh, so, so, so my question would be uh, would, would be this: How would you respond to Aaron Ra or any atheist if they said this to you? Okay, so he said he said he said uh, the God of the Bible is so powerful; he can create the universe, he can create all these planets, stars, he can create you know everything, life on Earth. But but when it comes to things like Noah's Ark, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy of Holies, and, and temples in the Bible. How come? How come God never made, never made those things? If He's so powerful and can, can create everything, and, and then He went on to say, "Well, wait, wait, well, wait. I'm not sure I understand." Exactly what, what, hold on. So one point, or, one sub point of time. So God can make everything, the universe, etc. And how come He couldn't make an ark? Yeah, yeah, He went on to say, uh, "How come? How come He didn't make?" Noah's Ark, how come he didn't make Ark of the Covenant, the Holy of Holies, and other temples in Scripture, and then, and then he goes on to say... Wait, 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 wait. I'm trying to understand, okay, because there's a logic issue here. So, uh, so he's saying if God can make everything, how come he did not make Noah's Ark and the Ark of the Covenant? Because people made them? Is that what he's saying? Yes, and then, okay. but, but he said something after that, too, All which right. I want to, you know, you know, question... Okay. Yeah. So, so, so the, the yeah. So the next thing that he said after that, uh, uh, he said, he said that uh, this is what we would expect if God was, if God was American, if God was imaginary. So, 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 so basically, he's saying that God is all powerful. He can create all this stuff, but, but, but he can't, he can't make simple stuff like, uh, like a giant boat or you know, you know, temples and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's uh, basically. Uh, really bad logic so he say we would expect such and such so he's saying that his personal opinion is how th- we people would expect things to really be and uh, so therefore god doesn't exist it's really dumb uh logic and i'll just say it flat out aaron raw couldn't think his way to a wet paper bag so uh he doesn't know what he's doing. He, and if he were to say that to me, you know, if he were to say, look, your God could create the universe. Yes, that's true. But he can't create an ark. Why did he create an ark? Uh, because he had people do it instead. Well, that means, you know, we would expect him to be able to do that. We would. So where'd you get this idea that we would expect? What universal truth pattern principle are you in touch with that you'd say this is what we as people would expect about God to be able to do? It's just ridiculous. All he's offering is complete subjectivism and what he and his varied imagination thinks ought to be done. So uh, this is when you want to go to you know, SpongeBob SquarePants and go, you know, use your imagination because that's all he's doing. All right. Okay. <laughs> all right. It's it's just yeah. there's no merit to it. There's nothing. He he's just uh, saying this is what we expect. In other words, it's what he thinks, even though it's not logically necessary. And he's just imposing a personal opinion about on the God of the universe. I'd say, dude, you know, you know, if I was st- in front of him, I go, dude, come on, come on, you're supposed to be smarter than this. 
just give you something to to work with. This is this is like shooting fish in a barrel here. I mean, come on, I'm feeling guilty. It's how easy it is. Give me something more challenging. That's that's yeah, Aaron wrong for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just like, like like trying to say that that um uh, uh, he thinks that he thinks that this is evidence that God is imaginary because 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 he. I guess, I guess he's trying to say that the that the Israelites were like were like you know pretending and make believing in God because they had to you know do everything themselves but like God never you know helped them build it you know I, I guess, I guess that's, that's it's so lame it is such what is this, really it's one of the worst arguments I've ever heard in my life and I'm not kidding. It's, it's so bad. They were imagining it because, yeah, they could they do it themselves. But, but uh, so they, that's obvious. Obviously, they were imagining God really existed. What? What? What does he get off on this stuff? You know, Moses came down from the mount. They walked. The, the Israelites walked through the the the, uh, the Dead Sea. What, I mean, this does that was imagination. Also, it's. I mean. You know, this is it's called stupidification. Okay, that's what I call it. <laughs> it's stupidification to stupidify. <laughs> so that's all that is. It's come on, you know, he's still stuck in his Neanderthal stage because he he loves evolution. You know, I'm just sorry. It's lame. <laughs> it's bad. All right. Yeah, he he uh he uh, also made made a video recently. I didn't I didn't watch it yet. It's around twelve minutes long, mm-hmm. and uh, it's titled it's titled uh, "Correcting Romans One." And when I first saw that video, Correcting Romans One. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm already cracking up. Okay. When I when I when well, I first saw that video title, I I, I I had immediately thought about you and how and how and how badly you would you would you would school him on that on that theological study. Maybe, you know, I'm looking to start uh, actually doing video analysis of other people's work and stuff like that. Just you know, so I have to do research legality of what can and can't be done, things like that. Send me the link to that because maybe I'll just start you know taking excerpts and start cracking up. Like, are you kidding me? Really? That's it? He's correcting Romans 1. Oh, so what universal standard of logic and righteousness and truth is he in touch with? Oh, man. Golly. You know, I'm serious. It's, it's just, it's, it's a, it just cracks me up. I mean, I've talked to so many atheists. Yeah, I'll tell you how God ought to be. <laughs> really? You're going to correct the word of God? Yes, right. On. I will. And what qualifies you? Because I know things. I was talking to a guy. Get this. I'm having fun here. But I was talking to a guy. I think it was Friday night on uh, on Clubhouse, and you know, debating patiently with this guy. And he tells me, <laughs> he tells me, he goes, he's anointed of God, <laughs> and I love that when someone says that. Go, really? So you're anointed of God? He says, that's right. He goes, I can tell you what the truth of stuff is. I go, really? Can I test you on that? He goes, you don't have the authority to test me. (laughs) And I said, show me where it says you had to have authority to test somebody in the scriptures. And he goes, I'm not going to play your game. (laughs) It was like shooting fish in a barrel, you know. It's like, what? I love when people boast, you know, I have the authority from God. (laughs) Wow. Okay, that's awesome. 
Because, man, I, you know, woof, that's pretty good. You know, what else? And he couldn't, he didn't know what he was doing. I love stuff like that. Whew. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll uh, definitely... I definitely think of that video. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to watch it because 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 I want to be careful what I you know you know, you know uh, 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 accept into my spirit because I don't want to you know, get deceived by whatever you know these atheists say. Yeah. Well, just so you know, a lot of atheists don't regard Aaron Ra well, in high regard. They know his logic is not very good. In fact, when I went to every four years in Washington D.C., I want to go to the next one. They have it called the the re. <laughs> Here I go again. I love it. It's called the Reason Rally. <laughs> it's like, it reminded me of SpongeBob. Imagination. Did we have to go to the Reason Rally? You know. And so last time I was there, um, I saw Aaron and I and I, I'm eyeing him. He looked at me. Best I remember, he looked at me. He would. He didn't want to do it with me. And uh, I love going there because uh, people go again uh, because it's so great that uh, they. Have they, they have reason, <laughs> and yet they're not reasonable. Oh man, you know I I love heresies and stuff like that. I do. I get a kick out of it, as you can tell. Yeah. Yeah. When is the next reason rally? I had to find out. When's the next reason? Yeah. Let's see. When is the next reason rally? <laughs> Ah, reasonrally.org. Okay, I'm looking at it right now. This is exciting for me. Let's see. And where is it? Come on. What? 2012, 2016? Maybe they're not having it anymore. Oh, man. Man, it'd be great with a camera going out there and witnessing to them. Let's do reason. Anyway, there you go. Okay? So, I'm going to get going, buddy. All right. All right, man. God bless. I'll take your email after this. Okay. All right, thanks. Okay. Hey, folks, three open lines. You want to give me a call? 877-207-2276. We'll be right back after these messages. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. Let's see, let's get on with uh, Cole from Indiana. Cole, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, uh, Matt, how you doing? I got a, uh, I got a comment and uh, two questions about uh, Isaiah uh, 66, verse 23 and verse 24. Um. Uh, 23, it says, you know, we're going to worship God in the new kingdom uh, with the on the new moon and the new Sabbath. We're going to go up. I'll let you read it, but and then uh, verse 24 is talking about us looking at the ones that are suffering in hell, I guess. But I thought, I said, wait, how could this be? But then I thought about Lazarus and the rich man illustration, where he was able to, you know, see uh Lazarus and Abraham, but he couldn't get across to him. So, what do you think about those two verses, twenty-three and twenty-four of sixty-six? Well, it says it shall be from new moon to new moon, and it looks like the context is uh, it's the glory of God, and uh, it looks like something to do with Jerusalem's uh, future. 
there so what I'm curious to know is if it's eschatological or if it was already fulfilled uh, because that often sometimes it, they have a dual fulfillment but at any rate and, and uh, so he says I'll also take some of them for priests and for Levites says the Lord so that's in verse 21 so this is telling me it's dealing with national Israel for just as the new moon's new earth which I will uh, make and will endure before me so your offspring and your name will endure, and it shall be new moon to new moon, from Sabbath to Sabbath. All mankind will come to bow down before me, says the Lord. So that certainly looks like it's eschatological. And they will go forth and look on the corpses of the men. And so it uh, looks like then uh, with bodies and stuff who have transgressed against me for the their worm dies, will not die. Their fire will not be quenched. They will have an abundance of horns. Abhorrence. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. I think I've dealt with this on my, uh, actually, now I'm thinking about it, on my uh, section on universalism. So let me get there. Let me see. This is karm.org forward slash universalism. I read, I, read a, I read a couple of oh, okay. uh, commentaries, and they were saying that it, it, it is referring to the new world. Annihilationism, actually. Uh, okay, uh, and it could be, yeah. Uh, so let me see. Uh, it's Annihilation, Not Universalism. I wrote over 160 or 180 articles, I forgot which, on uh, on that. Let's see if I did that on that one. I don't think I did. Isaiah, no, there it is. But the word, yeah, I did address that the worm dies not. Uh, so that's in the issue of eternal punishment. Anyway, uh, it looks like it's, it's God's judgment upon the wicked. And uh, so that's what's going on. So Okay, I did kind of get a little familiar with it. So what so what's your question about it? Well, my question is, uh, you know, when we're in heaven, uh, are we going to be able to see the ones that are suffering in hell? No. No. Um, what's going to happen is that... Uh, see, verse 24 gonna, makes you think that, you know, no, when you well, read it. Yeah, but, okay. So I'm trying to find, forget the right way to word this. Uh, the ultimate judgment of the wicked is that they're going to be cast into outer darkness. And outer darkness is just way out there. Where, way, 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 way out there. We don't know where it is. It's just so far gone. So we won't be able to see that. It's just going to be so far gone. So we won't be able to see them. Okay? That's basically what it is. As far as that well, what, is, what does that mean about the worm not never dying? There was, this is an analogy of the decay that was going on the where the worm dies not. And so when a body decays, worms will consume it. And so what, what's going on, the, um, the writer is simply saying that he's using, okay, he's using a, a contemporary thing to see, to, to talk about an eternal thing. It's representation where the fires don't go out, where the worm doesn't die. He's just using this as an analogy of the constant condition that people would see in certain places and times that they were aware of. It just didn't end. And so he's using that as an analogy to show this is what's going to be happening uh, for forever with them. Okay? All right? Oh, well, yeah, that's strange to me, you know, uh, it's because it's the Lord is mostly talking in that chapter. And then, uh, you know, he's talking about, you know, what he's going to do. God, I don't know. You know, and Lazarus, you know, yeah. and the rich man, you know, he was, he was, he was suffering, man, because he, yes, he, he was. Is, uh, 
Abraham, you know, uh, have Lazarus to put some, some water yes, on but, him. but that's in paradise. There was a gulf between them, and that condition of paradise and Hades doesn't seem to be in effect anymore. So that was before the crucifixion. After the crucifixion, it looks like uh, Jesus led captive a host of captives out of Ephesians chapter 4. It talks about this, going up into heaven. So there was a separation. Before that, it looked like they could maybe see the locations across a gulf. That's one theory. But we don't know. But that's changed since the crucifixion of Christ. And now uh, the believers die and they go to heaven. And uh, Hades is elsewhere. Okay. Okay, I, okay, well, anyway, thanks. I, I just thought that was, you know, kind of, I, I think that whole chapter is dealing with the new world, the new, when God's going to make everything new, because he's talking about destroying and making it all new again in that whole chapter. Yeah, but then it says, no, go for and look at the corp- corpses. So it's a mixture of, uh, of things that's being spoken about there. Uh, which is one of the reasons I hold to partial preterism. And the analogy that God gives, uh, speaking of one thing, often is used to speak of another. He does that a lot. So that's where things happening here. Okay, buddy? All right, okay, man. well, thank you, sir. Thank you very much. All right, God bless. All right, let's get to uh, Eric from Charlotte, North Carolina. Welcome. You're on the air. God bless you, Matt. Thanks again for your ministry. Could listen to you. I mean, I could spend all day asking you questions. Um, I hope you're doing well. But my question here is, uh, uh, you mentioned, uh, sort of ties in on universalism uh, mm-hmm. and how to address this whole matter of, um, we're in John 12, uh, where he says, when he is, he says, that's not John 12, please forgive me. Um, is it John 12, 30, 12, no, I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness. Where he says, I will be lifted up and draw all men. Yeah, John 12, um, 32. Mm-hmm. There you oh. go. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, of course, I don't believe in universalism, but how to address those who say, when he says, I will draw all men unto me. I, I have my own thoughts, but I want to see how would you address that. Sure, that no is problem. not saying everything to be. Sure. First of all, um, Jesus was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He was not sent to the whole world. You can go to Matthew fifteen twenty four yeah. for that. Clearly. Yeah. So this is a covenantal aspect. On the other hand, when you go to Genesis twelve three, it says God says to Abraham, In you all the nations shall be blessed. And that's quoted by Paul in Galatians three eight, and he calls it the gospel. So Jesus was sent covenantally only to Israel, only to the people of Israel. That's it. Okay? So when Mm -hmm. the Israelites rejected him, we, the Gentiles, are grafted in. When I'm lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men, not just the Jews, to myself. Mm -hmm. That's what's going on. Okay? So all men then are? All, All the people groups. Because people will say, well, it means every individual. Well, it can't. I see it. Right. For one thing, the word is men. It's, a, it's a pantos in the Greek, um, which is masculine. Okay. It's a masculine uh, form here. And so it's talking about all the men, male, and uh, the implication is men. Okay. But then it's not literally. It means all people. So all people, all right? But you've got to understand that Jesus is only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So he's saying he's going to take care of everybody. 
But when you go to 1 Samuel 3.14, God says, I've sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquities of Eli's house will not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So it cannot be that these people will be drawn who have died and who, and in particular with Samuel, uh, with Eli's house, is never going to be atoned for. So when he's talking about all men, he, he will draw. That's future tense. Does that mean the people from the past are, are not drawn? Well, obviously. So he's talking in a future sense. Okay. So what does he mean by all men? The best explanation that I've come across is simply this, that um, he's going to draw all kinds of people, not just the Jews. That's all. Okay. Uh, that, make, that makes perfect sense. Uh, I can understand that. Um Another question, if it's okay. Real fast, we got a couple other guys waiting. Why don't you call back okay. to, um, Wednesday? How about that? Call back Wednesday, okay? We got people waiting. I, I might be able right? to. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, man. God bless. Hey, let's jump on with Melanie from Virginia. Melanie, welcome. You're on the air. Hello. Thanks for taking my call or my sure. question. Mm-hmm. Um, my question is, I'm a barber, so I have a lot of young people, high school age, that. Um, question a lot of things within the Bible and as a believer in a, a faith for a prayer and just my upbringing and, and my life and what I've witnessed to God blessing me and people that I love, I believe strongly in prayer and things. So when I'm asked, I simply say, I don't know, read the Bible and, you know, just um, pray about it. But I would like to give a better passage or reference to you know, to the ones that ask me this question. Mm-hmm. So, um, what, question? what would you recommend? Is there a particular you know, question or a bunch question, of questions? Okay. Go ahead. Well, it is a bunch, but earlier it kind of answered it with the, the one um, you were saying, the person and what they expected. So I, I hear from a lot of young people mm-hmm. the expectations that are unreal. Um, you know, kind of like you said, not a lot of logic in it. Um, well, and then it's mostly with the things that they're faced with. I mean, our world's pretty rough right now, and um, the Bible is most the Bible is being uh, crucified basically with our young mm-hmm. people. So when they open their heart and their feelings and things to me, I, I would just like to give them a passage to kind of it set did, the pace well, for them to do it themselves. It de- just it depends on the individual. And so it's hard to give one passage that's going to help them all. I know what you want to do. You want to reach out to them. There's, you know, there's all kinds of options. One is you could say, hey, if you want, give me your phone number or whatever, and I'll give you uh, an opportunity to meet with a bunch of people online. And this guy, me, I'll come on and answer questions. That's, you know, we could arrange something like that. You could tell them to go to my website, carm.org, and to uh, to look up uh issues and questions. I have a radio show. They can call in. They can e- write us with emails. I'm on Clubhouse. They can uh, come, you know, say, you want answers? There are people out there who have answers. Here's one of them. And they can say, his last name is Slick. For real. You know, make a, make jo- uh, fun of it because it is my name. It for really is. And maybe they'll remember that. But I'm just yeah. saying, because they have so many different well, kinds I of questions. I definitely do that because I learned about you um, traveling home from Charlottesville on a one-hour commute, and at first okay. I didn't know what to think of you, <laughs> and then I listened, and you were there again, and I was like, oh, wait a minute, now this man's just very intelligent, and he knows the Bible very well, so if I got a question, I would like 
to get an answer from someone well, that's knowledgeable like yourself. I'll tell you what, look, so we're out of time. There's the music. We're, we're, I'm sorry, Melanie, we're just out of time. So it's the end of the show. Can you, you know, call back Wednesday? Maybe we can talk about it some more. I was just saying I'm going to reference. I was okay. just going to say I'm going to reference that to you. Okay. All right. Okay, God bless, okay? I hope to talk to you soon. Hey, everybody, have a great uh, 4th of July. God bless. Another program powered by the Truth Network.